Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but why? here comes a pizza. See it? <laughs> This is our fucking city, and nobody gonna dictate our freedom. Stay strong. All right, welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. I don't know how I feel right now. Pat's here. I was stunned, by the way. We were we were in the group chat, and uh, Pat Light. I was like, "All right, are we ready to roll?" And Pat Light was like, "I'm ready to. I'm available at any time." And if Pat Light says that, I'm like, all right. So obviously he's out. That's like, a, obviously I'm not showing up. I thought that that's what that meant. And lo and behold, Pat Light was ready to go and available at any time. It's 11 p.m. Game ended at 9.45. We had some technical difficulties because we're working through our new video platform, which... Uh, that means that the, the podcast episodes are going back on YouTube, hopefully with, with better video quality. Uh, but the surprise of the show is that Pat Light is here. And I'm sure that there's, there's some, probably some people out there that they had the, the Vegas, the, the DraftKings sportsbook betting odds at maybe someone else being here for this episode. It's not the case. I regret to inform you, <clears throat> you're stuck with Pat Light. <clears throat> I, you're blessed to be here with Pat Light. And Jake and Tyler is here as well. No Peter. No Peter this week. Um, I don't... I really... Do, there's so many different places that we can start. Like It's been a fucking roller coaster of emotions type week all over the place all over the place like between the Red Sox on field performance buy or sell win loss Benintendi going to the Yankees all this all this Coley talk I'm like what the hell what a fucking emotional week Patrick yeah listen Jared I hate to interrupt you I hate to interrupt you know me of course don't I don't like to interrupt but we have breaking news in the pod Holy shit. Breaking news in the pod. And what I just want to bring it out. Listen, Jared, would you think, and let me, let me paint a picture for you. Sure, sure. Do you believe, you know, the Xander Bogarts trade talks, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, yep. that they are fair um, to ask Heimblum uh, if, if Xander's being traded or, or, or it were the discussions around it? It's fair to ask him that, those questions, right? Sure, yeah. Would you consider yourself uh, the president of podcast ho- uh, ops here at uh, Krabs Pod? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That seems fair. Yeah. So listen, um, Chris, Chris Cotillo. Yes. Mexican times. Yep. Well, no. Okay. I hate (laughs) it. (laughs) Just tweet it out. Mm -hmm. Per sources. Yeah. Carabas pod president of, oh, president of podcast ops. That's hard to say. President Mm -hmm. of podcast ops. Jared Carabas. That's me. Is considering. Yep. Trading Pat Light. That's me. That's you. Mm-hmm. For former podcast teammate Coley Mick. Now, I have, obviously, we know. Uh, that's a report people, that's out there. 
That's a report. That's a that's a report out there by Chris Cotillo. They're saying sources are telling him that obviously uh, Coley's current or former now um, mm-hmm. employer has put them on, put him on the trade block. Yes, uh, I saw that Dave Portnoy show. He's available mm-hmm. for trade. Mm-hmm. And listen, everyone loves Coley. How could you not love Coley? Everyone loves Coley. A phenomenal person. So he's you know a lot of people, a lot of people uh, mm-hmm. wanting wanting to uh, get him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, listen, maybe the Krabbis Pod's, you know, one of those people. We mm-hmm. don't know yet, but per mm-hmm. sources, uh, you're looking to possibly trade me. Your thoughts and, and what, what are, are, the, are the trade rumors uh, actually real? So here's the first thing I got to say about that. <clears throat> I would never trade you, Pat. Okay. Wow. Because there's first. no way we could get Coley make an exchange for you. <laughs> no chance. <clears throat> okay. Because, put it this way. Put it, put it this way, right? Uh, <clears throat> the way that I look at it is kind of like a hmm, trying to think of. I'm trying to think of a perfect example to this. It's almost like, like think of it as like a. Hmm, what's like the? I'm usually so good with comparisons. Usually. Yeah, usually. But right now I'm struggling to find the comparison because like it's almost like if there's like a notable franchise and they have a player that all the fans love, the organization loves him, teammates love him, but he's in the last year of his deal. And it's like he means so much to us. But if we trade him, we're not going to get nearly the value that like we think he's worth because we love him so much. But to but to someone else, he's just a player, and that's that's how I feel about you. Mm. Is that <clears throat> you know, Barstool might be like, well, what the fuck are we going to do with Pat Light? Like he we he can do some stuff. He can do some like gambling stuff. He can do some video stuff. He can do the Mike Trout TikTok five thousand fucking times. Um, but to me, you're a franchise player to me, to them. I don't know that they look at you in the same way. They don't value you like I do. So it would be a lopsided trade. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also, we just don't, we don't one, see eye to eye on trade value. The other thing that I'd like to discuss, sure. Uh, as you know, I have a very strict no trade clause, uh, in my contract. Right, uh, and as we negotiated right now. This. I, I want to make it very clear. I know Chris did not put this in the tweet that I have not waived that no trade clause as of right now. Uh, right, so that, that's also something to consider. Are um, you saying that you <clears throat> that you would for the for the right fit? Uh no, I I that listen, does I not sound no tra- convincing at all. It kind of <laughs> sounds like kind of sounds like you would be open to a trade if it was to the right trade party. I am. I put the no trade clause in there. Mm-hmm. For the for the the sole purpose that I wanted to stay where I am, uh-huh. and not allow the counterpart uh, to change their decision about wanting me, so that's why the no trade clause is there. That that has not Got changed. It. Got it. <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I want. I mean, like we could probably trade you and Pete for Coley, but I wouldn't do that either. Okay, I wouldn't. Well, you, was it was that delayed pause because you don't believe me? No, no, no. I believe you. I the thing the the when when the first tweets that I saw and I've seen a tremendous amount of tweets asking pe- please to to trade me away. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like my time in Boston. Um, <laughs> anywho, but <laughs> uh, the first thing that, you know, the, when you first see something, you take sure. it seriously and you yeah. think about it seriously. And then after 15 seconds, you're like, what, what am I thinking about? Those first 15 seconds, I was like, guys, what would I, what would I do over there? Like, I would trade if they if something were to be if I were to be traded over there. I well, you do gambling content now. Yeah, but I'd probably quit immediately. I had nothing to do over there. I don't want. And this is what people. uh, This is my new segment on the show. Is Pat's deep dive into Reddit. Mm -hmm. Um, People don't. People don't seem to like the fact. They seem to understand, but they don't seem to like the fact that I don't want uh, another full time gig. Right. Uh, I like what I do. I mm-hmm. like the the freedom that comes along with my current gig. Yeah. Uh, and I like being able to show up and say, you know, Jerry, I want to let's go talk some Red Sox. You know, sure. I'm not a you know, I'm not out over here pretending that I'm a 162 guy. Right. Uh, that's not. I'm not here pretending that. So. Right. No. Um. I just I would have no interest. Uh. In joining Barstool. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I mean, you would have value too because you're a multi-time bar owner. And that has value to them if they have access to your bars in a gambling state as well. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, Which I mean, p- maybe you do have more value than I realized. Yeah, honestly, I've been approached by uh, several gambling companies. Uh, almost all of them uh, want the content, but want the bars more. It's specifically in New Jersey. Apparently, New Jersey is the number one uh, uh, sports gambling uh, state in the country. Interesting. And apparently, it's by like a long shot. I was out in Vegas this weekend talking to some people. And they were saying that like, New Jersey is just like fucking outrageous in comparison to the rest of the states. Hmm. That's good to know. <clears throat> so yeah, Pat Light. Way more trade value than people are giving him credit for. Yep. Heard it here first. Breaking news. But you heard you also heard it here first that the president of podcast ops at the name redacted pod not trading Pat Light. Wow. Not trading Pat Light. Wow. Guy barely fucking plays. And okay. We're like, we're, well, come on. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. The guy barely takes the fucking field. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe he's a net negative when he's out there. But to me, there's value. <laughs> to me, there's value. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. No one. You'll never mean more to anyone else than you mean to me, Pat. Thank you. I actually okay. saw you were speaking of uh, names for the pod. <clears throat> I retweeted a guy that was, <laughs> I get a lot of mean tweets. <laughs> Why? How could anyone be mean to you? I don't know. But uh, I had someone respond saying uh, the Krabs pod should be renamed the Strike Zone pod because you always miss it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that I retweeted it because I, I my retweet was I will retweet this because it's funny, not because I'm happy about it. Yeah, it was a good. I mean, it was that, a good tweet. That's a great tweet. Yeah, shout out Tyler, fresh man baker. <laughs> that was a great tweet. Great tweet. Yeah, we love that tweet. Mm-hmm. Um, is Milliken here? I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, he, I mean, he's been coming in and out of this goddamn podcast the entire time. I hate when people don't show up regularly and, and really <laughs> engage all the time. I hate when people do that. Right. Yeah, it drives me fucking Really nuts. grinds my gears. 
Yeah. I think I think where we got to start, we almost have to start backwards. Because before we, before we went on the air, there was a tweet that went out. Jen McCaffrey had it. And it's very important. It's yeah. very important that we start here. Just in case you haven't seen it, just in case you're not aware of it. Jen McCaffrey, 10.26 p.m. tonight. What is it, Thursday, Jake? Hmm. Thank you, Jake. Jen McCaffrey says, Xander Bogart said that he's been told personally he's not getting traded, and that's been a bit of a relief. He also said he wasn't sure if he was supposed to say that and hopes that he doesn't get in trouble. So, I think he wasn't supposed to say that. I don't think he was supposed to say that. Because I think I think the Red Sox probably wanted teams to think maybe he'd be available. They wanted the perception, the idea that Xander Bogarts might be available for trade because now now, right? You've put it out into the universe. We told Xander Bogarts, "Hey, we're not trading you no matter what." What if, and this is obviously hypothetical and it's not going to happen, what if the Angels were like, we'll give you Shohei Otani for Xander Bogarts? Thoughts? And then the Red Sox have to be like, well, we told, we told them we're not going to trade him, so what do we do? But I don't know. I mean, that's, that's not a great example because A, that would never happen. But maybe, maybe there's a really dumb team out there that puts together a ridiculous prospect package and is like, listen, I know you guys already told him that you're not going to trade him, but like, here you go. Like, here's, here's like two of our top five prospects. And here's, uh, here's a third prospect. That's our number eight prospect. Like we really want this guy. Cause not only do we like, if you guys aren't going to sign him, like we want to trade for him. And then we kind of want to like talk to him about paying him long-term to stay here. Like what if the Phillies do that again? It's, it's a stretch. It's a big stretch, but that's why I think he he probably the Red Sox probably wish that he didn't say that. Yeah, I, uh, listen, I negotiate for a living pretty much in the restaurant world. Mm-hmm. You don't want anyone to think everything's off the table, um, because you just want it. Like they might want to just keep fielding offers, and like say Xander's a part of a package, he could then at that point. You know, say we know we're not getting rid of Xander, but we want this package. We like how it's structured. How about we give you these two guys instead of Xander? But the the deal doesn't come to them unless they believe Xander was on the trading block or sure. a possibility. Um, so you, you always just want to keep the door open. Uh, from also from a negotiation standpoint, you know, him saying that out loud could just mean better offers come to the Red Sox forum. Uh, it could it could also work out. I've done things where I like thought something might be off the table, and then that's what I hear, and so I offer a little bit more to try to entice the person to maybe take it back and put it back on the table. Sure. Uh, so there's a few ways this could go, but I'm I would imagine he probably wasn't supposed to say anything. But Xander Bogarts not is not getting in trouble. No. Uh, and in addition to that, Xander Bogarts is also a ten five guy, so he can veto any trade he wants. He has full. No trade protection. So even if, let's say, the Colorado Rockies were like, you know what? We're going to put together a package for Xander and uh, we're going to pay him. And Xander's like, I don't want to play for your team and I don't have to. He can do that. And uh, if there are any younger listeners, we have to, you know, let's not 
let's not acknowledge shame for any of the younger listeners that don't know what 10-5 rules or rights mean. Um, if you have been in the league for 10 years, five years with the same team, you can veto any trade that you want. Even if you didn't sign a free agent contract that says uh, if, 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 if the language in your contract never included a no trade clause, if you've been in the league for 10 years and you've been with the same team for five, your 10-5 rights kick in and you can veto any trade that you'd like. And Xander Bogarts is that guy. So that being said, I'm relieved because this is, this is kind of where I fell on the whole Xander Bogarts thing was I think where he was, what team, what organization he was with at 6 p.m. on August 2nd tells you a lot about his future. I mentioned the, the John Lester example. Pat, you were there. We interviewed John Lester together. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, yes or no, John, if the Red Sox did not trade you, would their, would their chances of re-signing you in free agency have been higher? He said yes. With Xander Bogarts, I think I would hope that the Red Sox are trying to learn from their history, learn from their past, their mistakes. And all right, if you, if you aren't going to contend this year, I don't want some like handshake agreement. Like, hey, man, like we're going to trade you. We're going to get some prospect for you. But in free agency, you know, you know where to end up. Come on back to Boston. There's other organizations, and, and namely the Dodgers come to mind immediately, uh, of Mookie Betts you know, going to the Dodgers. They just do it so different there. And the, like, Pat, you can speak to this. Like, you know, there's, you played for the Red Sox. You've been in that clubhouse. You've used their facilities. You've been in other big league ballparks. I'm sure you've seen what home clubhouses and facilities look like elsewhere. When you've only known one organization, like Xander Bogarts has been here since a teenager. And he comes in, he, I think he was 20. Yeah, he was 20 when he got called up because I think he couldn't, he couldn't celebrate when they clinched a playoff spot, but then he could say, I think he turned 21 on like October 3rd or something. So he's, he was able to like celebrate the uh, division series win over Tampa in 2013. Um, That's how long this dude has been here and he doesn't know anything else. And that's what John Lester basically said was, they're going to have to tear this jersey off my back. And then the Red Sox tore the jersey off his back. And not that when they traded him to the Oakland A's, it's not like he went to the Oakland A's and was like, damn, it's fucking baller in other places. Like They traded him to the shittiest facility in the big leagues. Like You don't even feel like a big leaguer when you play for the Oakland A's. Like I've seen it. I've walked around in there. Um, but it introduces the player to the idea of, I can do this. I can go to another team, another organization, play in a different uh uh like big league clubhouse. Like you you your brain thinks that you just don't want to do it or you can't handle it. And then you do it and you're like, "Wait, like that wasn't so bad at all." And that's what happened with John Lester, which made it easier, admittedly, in his own words, to go and sign with the Chicago Cubs. So with Xander and I am reading into this. I don't know where you guys fall on this, but I do read into this heavily that the Red Sox telling him, hey, 
we're not going to trade you. I'm reading into this that that means they're going to make a concerted and honest effort to sign him in free agency because otherwise it makes zero sense because I still think they're going to trade JD. They're going to trade Evaldi, maybe Christian Vasquez, Matt Strom. Like they have pieces that are valuable to contenders. But if you're just outright already telling Xander Bogarts, we're not going to trade you, that can, should only, I can't say it, it only means, it should only mean that you're going to make an honest effort to sign him in free agency because otherwise it makes zero fucking sense, Pat. Listen, I take it two ways. I love the John Lester example, and I hope that they're learning from the mistakes, but I hope they're not learning in such a way that they believe they can go get another discount by doing him this favor of not trading him away. Um, now, obviously, Xander's a, B- a Boris guy, as you and me, me and you are, Jared. Correct. Uh, so he's not n- typically known to like hometown discounts. However, I do know Scott <clears throat> does uh, whatever the player wants him to do anyway. But uh, I, 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 I believe that Xander wants to stay. When you play somewhere for this long, uh, and keep in mind, you know, his career, although in the big league started at 20, his career at Boston, I think, I don't remember what year he got picked up. 16. A, he was like 16 years old. 16 years old. So he's been here for forever. Uh, you don't. I mean, I got traded a few times. It's, it is a little scary at first because you, you think that something, you know, I remember I had to go when I got traded from Boston, I had to go from the Pawtucket um, clubhouse right over to the Rochester clubhouse because we were playing each other. You know, walking into that clubhouse with a bag, I was uh, 25 years old. Even at 25, you know, that's like walking in high school and trying to sit down at the new cool kids cafeteria table. You know, it's it's nerve wracking. So you're still human at this age. I mean, obviously, Xander is a much bigger deal than I was. But I hope I just I sincerely hope that they view him as a cornerstone guy uh, and that, yes, I believe that them telling them telling Xander that they're not going to trade him at the very least means they're going to make an effort to resign him. I'm not, I'm not sold yet that it's going to be a great effort um, or it will be enough, but I'm, I'm hopeful now that they are actually going to make a push to do so. Jake. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope it's not I just hope it's not an elaborate ruse. Like like are the Red Sox sinister enough to go like they know they know what the reaction was when John Lesser got traded and didn't come back. They know what the reaction was when Mookie Betts was traded to the Dodgers and he did not come back. He did not even make it to free agency because the Dodgers has paid him. They know what the reactions were to those things. So they can't afford the the Xander Bogarts blowback. So we're sitting here saying it makes no sense at all 
if the Red Sox told Xander, we're not going to trade you, and we're reading into that being like, well, if they're not going to trade him, that must mean that they're going to make a real effort to sign him. But what if that's exactly what they want us to think and that they, they do what they did with Johnny Damon? We had Johnny Damon on here. And he was basically telling the story of how the Red Sox were like, hey, we're going to, you know, after, uh, after 05, like we're going we're gonna to take care of you. Like, don't worry about it. And Johnny Damon bought a house in Boston because the Red Sox were like, hey, man, don't worry about it. Like, hey, we love you here. We want you to stay here. We're going to take care of you. Don't worry about it. Then Johnny Damon hits free agency. And the Red Sox are like, how's this half-ass offer sound? And he's like, not good. Not good. The Yankees made me a way better one. Ah, that's too bad, man. All right. Thanks for all four. See you later. And that's pretty much what happened. So with Xander, I mean, it's, it's not unprecedented for the Red Sox to tell a player, hey, man, we're, we're, don't worry about it. We're going to take care of you. Just, you know, make sure you come on back, though. Make sure you don't take the best offer. Take our offer. So that's, that's what scares me is that you, we're, we're, uh, we're looking, we're reading in between the lines here. And it would make sense if the Red Sox were like, hey, we ain't trading this guy because we want him here. And then they go to free agency and their offer just, is not competitive with 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 the best offers. And uh, you look at what happened with Mookie Betts. Tyler, can you hear us? You sound great. Sound beautiful. Um, with uh, with the Mookie Betts situation, right? The Red Sox were so behind on all of it. Like when you could have gotten Mookie for two hundred, that's when they offered him a hundred. When you could have gotten him for 300, that's when they offered 200. And then he ended up getting, what, 365? And I think the Red Sox were at about, what, 300 for 10 years or whatever it was. So they were just super behind on all that. Um, Tyler, now that you're here, what do, you, what do you read into or what do you make of the situation that, that unfolded after the game tonight that the Red Sox told Xander Bogarts, hey, we're not going to trade you? Yeah, so I don't think I'm shocked. I, I didn't think Bogarts was going to be dealt. I thought the chances chances of it overall were low um, because I've looked at it and I think they do want to pay Xander. I think they want Xander Bogarts here. I think the whole thing is about just been getting him or getting Bogarts at their price. And I think we saw them kind of call his bluff this year. Uh, and obviously we saw it was a disrespectful offer over the offseason. Um, but I think the Red Sox were willing to say, all right, let's go this whole year. Let's see what you actually are offered on the market. Like you think you can get Francisco Lindor money. Let's see someone throw Francisco Lindor money at you. And I think it's interesting, obviously shout out to Bogarts. We'll get into it, but you know, the three run Jack tonight, electric, whatever it is, the power has come down for four seasons in a row. Were they hoping to kind of reality check him a little bit uh, and say, Hey, I, we don't think you're worth, you know, B- Boris during the off season was saying he deserved Corey Seager money. You know, we're talking, we're getting close to 35 million here. Um, I think the Red Sox, obviously where they were at with the extension, it was really 30 million for an extra year. I think they want to get it into that 26 to 27 range. Um, and I think Bogarts will ultimately end up falling in line with something like that. Cause that's the kind of guy Xander Bogarts is. Um, but I do think there's, you know, if you want to be negative and you want to really start to throw some questions out there, 
look what happened this past week with the international draft. Uh, it did not end up happening, which means there's going to be a qualifying offer system again. So realistically, if this season comes and goes and they don't work out anything for Xander Bogarts, they could say we got a comp pick for him. Uh, obviously, that's not the same as if you were to deal him or package him with Nate Evaldi or J.D. Martinez or whatever it may have been. But I don't know. I, I think overall, the way I look at it, it's a good thing. I think the Red Sox have learned this year, especially, and it's been doubled down. When you have almost every single player on the team speaking up for Bogarts, when you see what's happened around you, when you look at Trevor Story, who has played great defense, but I think there are fair questions about whether he can handle shortstop in a year where Bogarts has proven, hey, I can still play shortstop. Uh, you know, being in the 70th percentile for outs above average, DRS is rated zero, so he's holding even. Those are career best marks. Um, but yeah, I, I think for the most part, this is good. Is it a definite, you know, we're going to extend him? No, but I think things are continuing to trend in that direction because the Red Sox realize if you don't pay Xander Bogarts and keep him around here, that foundation is going to need some serious work, even if you do pay Rafael Devers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal points. Phenomenal. Yeah, I just, I think. What the fuck happened to your shirt? We're on YouTube, Pat. We're going to get fucking kicked off if you just jump like on it. those patty nips out there, dude. Be you, Pat. Don't let Jared shame you at all. You look listen, great. listen, we're on YouTube. If what you're gonna, if you're just gonna give away free nip, by the way, like there's there's websites for that. Mm, I know, I want them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Believe um, the income. <laughs> uh, I had to battle to get back here, boys. Th this yeah, was a, an all-time performance. I, I got a nice pack out the fridge. You did amazing. Thank you. Hey, you did. Um, you did happy that you're here. A long time ago. I yeah. won't die. Yeah, we uh, <clears throat> we discussed whether or not we were going to trade Pat for Coley, which I guess Coley's on the table now. Um, he's on the trade block. I did see this rumor pop up on my Twitter feed today. I addressed it, and I said, listen, I don't think Pat is more valuable to us than he could be to someone else. So the value that I see in Pat is not how another organization would see the value. You know what I mean? I look at it kind of like I look at Kevin Puecki this year with the Red yeah. Sox, where mm -hmm. most likely if he was on another team, he would have been DFA'd, but we know what Kevin Puecki brings to the clubhouse right? and, you know, the pitching staff. So we keep Pat around because he makes us happy. Right. Yeah. You're That's our Kevin Puecki, Pat. I've, I've been DFA'd enough in my life. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Can't promise it won't happen again. Okay. But for, but for right now, you're safe. Yeah, but for right now, you're good. As so long I, don't as you're... Get, I don't get the Xander Bogarts. Hey, we're not going to DFA you? No. Okay. No. Learn no. your place. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're, we're not going to say, like, we're not going to say we're never going to trade you or DFA you or <laughs> just outright release you. But for now, we're saying we're happy to have you here. If you were to trade me, uh -huh. would it be the first trade in podcast history? Maybe. I mean, at least of note, right? Like, I don't think that any podcast of note has ever pulled off a trade before. That'd be pretty bad. <laughs> Just that in and of itself. <laughs> a trade has happened. Pat, like the new editor-in-chief of Barstool, yeah. that, that website would be a shit show. <laughs> yeah, you don't even know how to read, dude. <laughs> I wouldn't look at it. I don't even attempt to read anyway. Yeah. 
Pat, I will say getting traded for Coley is not a bad way to go out if right. things Honestly, play out like that. Not that I'm comparing that trade to Fernando Abad and me, and because uh, Coley's better than Fernando Abad, but uh, it's very similar in thought process that if I can pull off a one for one trade with a guy like Coley, I mean, I'm on top of the world. The value that people see in me is way higher than I thought it was. Yeah. Uh, so it's a, it's a win. If I, you know, I love that. I prefer to stay here. If I were there, there is a little silver lining there that my value is so yeah. high that I can get one for one. Yeah. It kind of sounds like you're excited to go somewhere else is what is how this is coming off. Yeah. yeah. I will say in Boston though, I was excited to go somewhere else. They just didn't need me. There was just, there was no hope for me unless I came up and was stellar, which we all know that didn't happen. No, didn't. Um, there was just no need for me. I was going to be left uh behind everyone unless again I, I was amazing which i wasn't i was gonna get a lot more opportunities somewhere else so well, that's why i'm that, happy to leave that, that's a tough kind of way to put it though so like if you were good they would have needed you right no if i was no that's incorrect if i was stellar they would have needed me boston had craig kimbrell koji uhara you know taz you know they had no need for another hard throwing ready that is okay or that was good we had matt barnes at the time who was throwing well uh, as like a, a mid middle reliever they just didn't need me back there and then they have a, you know, have a, a guy who bridges gaps again there was just no need for another young guy yeah. um so i needed more opportunities but there were not going to be enough opportunities for me in boston unless i went up there and absolutely blew the doors off people and they were i forced them to keep me in boston yeah you didn't even come close to that i have a i have a need for a blue moon right now do you yeah tell me about it yeah i need i need a blue moon and let me just say this because baseball and beer go hand in hand and blue moon is the perfect stadium companion with its bold flavor bright explosion of color iconic orange slice ritual and authentic ballpark roots in fact blue moon was born in a ballpark First created in the Sandlot Brewery in Denver, Colorado. From the first pitch to extra innings, a Blue Moon guarantees a one-of-a-kind beer experience every time. At Blue Moons at the game tonight, I went. I actually went to. Uh, I went to the game with the DraftKings crew, and Jake was supposed to be there, but Jake was editing because he's a hard worker, right, Jake? Yeah, I was just grinding. <laughs> I mean, you missed, <clears throat> and we'll get to it. That fucking Xander Bogarts three-run homer. Mm. I just took a blue moon bath. Three run shot. By the way, Tristan McKenzie uh, tweeted me after the game. What did he say? He said, we have beef. Oh, no. Yeah. Now, were you sending shots? I did not see your feed during the game. Were you uh, talking any shit? Or is this more? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Tristan McKenzie, uh, where did we meet? Uh, probably like during COVID. Yeah. We became, we became boys back in 2020. Um, and I, Hey, I'll very rarely, if ever, will I tweet someone hitting a home run off Tristan McKenzie. I won't do it, but it was Xander and it was for the lead and it was that fun way. So like, and I didn't, I didn't say anything about him. I just, my tweet said Xander Bogart's my captain with one of the prettiest home run strokes. You're going to say, and he said, we have beef. And I just quote tweeted it. And I said, I still love you. Would you compare this to your relationship with Marco Gonzalez? No, because Marco Gonzalez and I never met or spoke. Like he just followed me on Twitter and I followed him back, but I've like, 
like I have like Tristan's number we've texted we've he's been on uh he's been on the podcast before he was on the live streams during the playoffs in 2020 and last year I met him in person for the first time and uh that was the game that uh I was over by the then Indians dugout and uh he was shagging fly balls in right field and they kick the media off the field at 6 p.m. So if the game's at seven, you're off the field by six. But I really wanted to say hi to him. So he's like jogging off the field at like 5.57. And I'm like, fuck, like hurry up and get over here so we can talk. And we ended up like the Fenway security was really cool. Like they let me stay out there almost to the point where like they're getting ready to do the national anthem. And I'm like ready to like get on a foul line with the Cleveland Indians. Uh, but yeah, no, he's, he's one of the coolest guys, very laid back down to earth. Like if you, if you talk to him, you would not get the impression like this dude is like a stud pitcher in the big leagues. Yeah. I can like Pat who couldn't shut the fuck up about it. Uh, I'm sorry. Where were we with the, yes, from its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander. Blue Moon Belgian White is a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? Best served with a signature orange garnish to showcase its beautiful, hazy color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon. But you can enjoy it all season long. Break out of your same old beer slump. Blue Moon Belgian White is one of a kind every time. Get Blue Moon Belgian White delivered by visiting get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared to see your delivery options. That is get.bluemoonbeer.com slash Jared. Blue Moon made brighter. Please celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Um, all right, so... Tyler, did you go split? I did go split. Okay. I went split. Jake, you said they were going to get swept, right? Right. I said split. <laughs> you picked what? Split. You picked a split. Yeah. Were you on the show? Yeah. You were? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was. He was? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Split. He wasn't on the show, was he? No, remember Pete left, but Pat troop through he said you know i'm not going to be like pete and dip out early and he held on for the full two yeah full two you guys fucking with me i was pat here come on jerry you remember me (laughs) even being here you're you're tweeting out these 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 negative things about me going on other podcasts you don't even remember when i'm by the way by the way pat i wasn't i'm glad you brought it up because i wasn't gonna Mm. that you denying that that tweet was inaccurate is crazy uh, it is inaccurate. I said. I think Pat, for the entire baseball hold on, season. Hold on. Okay. For the calendar year. For the calendar year 
just not not for not for section 10. I'm talking name redacted. This podcast. You've appeared on more podcasts as a guest than you've appeared on this podcast as a co-host. That's a fact. Incorrect. How many how many guest podcasts have you done? Like 30 in like I the last been, 5 weeks? If I'm being honest, I think I've been on 3 and I think uh two are the same show. And the podcast that you did was called like Drunk Fucking Idiots. <laughs> yes. So they were, it's a friend. He asked me to do it. He, again, I recorded it back in like May. I don't know why it was released this late. What's it, what's it called? I don't remember, to be honest with you. What wow. a terrible friend you are. I, I came on the show. Listen, <sighs> Pat. I mean, bad the tweet was, was, this is a bad look. The Pat. tweet was historically inaccurate. And I, you uh, know it was inaccurate because you didn't put you didn't at me. You just put my name. And I know that's when you know you're tweeting inaccurate things. I don't tag people. Jake, do I tag people that I talk about? Almost never. Almost never. It's funny I because I it's never funny I remember people. during my, my Red Sox career mm-hmm. and posted. <laughs> I got added all the time. <laughs> I I tweeted at you when I said bad things. All the time. <laughs> Different circumstances. Let's be real. Um, I don't think I did that. You don't think that someone by now with our history as podcasters and content creators would have gone back to look at my old Pat tweets and been like, bro, like you said this about Pat when he was out there pitching. <laughs> you don't think someone only, would have done that by now? I don't know. I can only imagine. I mean, you've had the same stupid handle for the whole, your whole time on Twitter at underscore. Wait, no, hold on. From Jared underscore Carabas. I mean, I've probably tweeted you six billion times. Yeah, it's going to be a long list, especially in the last three years or so. There's going to be a lot. Yeah, it's going to be a lot. I'm going to I'm going to keep the conversation going, but I'm going to I'm going to scroll. Okay. And I'm going to I mean, let's see where I'm scrolling for a little bit. I'm only in 2020. Uh, damn. Hey, that. Look at that's best friends doing best friend things. Love that. I've just been. Oh wait, no. Okay, are we at the bottom here? Let's hear it. <laughs> Let's hear it, Jared. Let's hear what you said. <laughs> I see shame. Uh, all right, <laughs> July. I've only tweet. I only tweeted about you twice as a player. Because like the third tweet is the Red Sox have acquired Fernando Abad for Pat Light. Yeah. <laughs> um, on July 2nd, 2016, I tweeted. Oh, I know what day that is. Bases loaded. Really need Pat Light to keep this a 12-run game here. <laughs> That's not that bad because well, those th- weren't your 12 runs. He Henry was really the, the culprit there that day. Yeah. <clears throat> then... Uh, July 2nd, 2016. <laughs> this is a compliment. This is a compliment coming up. <clears throat> I said, Pat Light just lowered his ERA from 47.25 to 37.80. Things are looking up. Angels lead 20 to 1. Just got to get these bats going here. Good day at the ballpark. I said, I tweeted about how you lowered your ERA. 
from 48 to 37. <laughs> 47.25 to 37.80. Well, let's let's talk something here more positive. My Wait, final ERA, I lowered my ERA by 27 runs in you one did. inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 28th, 2016, mm-hmm. I tweeted, Pat Light just gave up a two-run bomb to Josh Donaldson to give the Blue Jays the lead. Thanks a lot, Fernando Abad. I don't get that. I don't get it either. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Why would I be thanking Fernando Obad? I feel like I remember that tweet too. Um, because I think Fernando Obad was doing something that same night. Or maybe... Maybe... Oh, it was 2016, like, we would have been battling the Blue Jays for the division. Yes. So, so we're saying like, oh, we fucking... We gave up. Pat Light, so he could go fuck up the division somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pat. Mm-hmm. I remember that tweet. <laughs> did you when you were like pitching? Did you like search your name on Twitter after games that you stunk? Uh, every now and again, uh, I think it was with Minnesota. Like it, it's so rare. Like it's not like Boston. Like in in Boston, uh, afterwards you <laughs> search your name. Mm-hmm. You have endless tweets of people just shitting on you. Yeah, like, I, I remember searching my name after um, the the Mike Trout day or July second, and uh, the amount of death threats I had received that night were astounding. Um, but not, Minnesota, no one really was tweeting about me. It was more just media members t- talking about stuff. Not really anyone like of note tweeting at me. Yeah, we just do it different in Boston. <clears throat> you, I'm, I've said that all along. Boston and New York do it uh, just way different, and Boston is, in, its, in my opinion, a league of its own. Yeah. That's great, though. <laughs> so we basically... We became friends in... It's almost our anniversary. Yeah. How many years? Uh... Four. Yeah, I first. I think I first interacted with you was when I got traded. That Instagram stuff hashtag. But we didn't become friends until like 2018. No, summer of 18. We, yeah, we became friends. I the time I remember, like, all right, we're actually becoming friends now is when you called me to come on uh, Section 10. Yes. Um, and that's that was the also the origin <clears throat> of the Mike Trout story. Yes. Yeah, that was the origin of it. That's where it became a thing because uh, I had mentioned it. Just like kind of, I ne- had never even thought about it. I just happened to mention it, and you. I think we all like fucking laughed about it, and then it became a thing on social. And then I ran with it for the last now five years almost. Yeah, that was uh, that was when we did the Red Sox lottery. So we had the the, the cage with the balls in it, and we spun it, and we had a a key with like 80 obscure random Red Sox on it. And we would just every episode would spin it and then pull out a ball. And then we pulled out Pat Light that day. And I was like, I I think I have Pat Light's number. I was like, let's have like, this is like the first time that we can have the Red Sox lottery player on to talk. Like we would, it would literally just be a five minute segment. where We were like, Manny Del Carmen. Yeah. I remember that dude. Yeah. Didn't he, he did like the, Manny Bowl, like he had like a bowling thing from from Hyde Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really remember anything else about that guy. I think he pitched in the World Series maybe in 2007. I can't remember. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and then I was like, Pat Light. I was like, I have, I have his number. Pull it out. Gave him a call. The rest is history. Now we're best friends. Now we're best friends. Now we're best friends. Now we're best friends. Um, hey, actually, fun fact. Yeah. Because I know I remember it differently. I remember a Twitter DM. Mm-hmm. And I'm right. September 5th, 2018, our friendship begins. A, a DM from Jared Carabas at 1.31 p.m. Yo, are you able to do a call right now for the podcast? <laughs> I respond 1.44, very prompt. Very, very prompt, prompt, I must say. Very prompt. I can now, LOL. You text back 147, also very prompt. Mm-hmm. What's your number? I give it. And then I think I cut out because I texted in the I DM'd you in the middle of the show, cut out, LOL. So I must have just cut out the show. <laughs> also on brand. Very on brand. Very on brand. September wow. 5th, the origin. Wow. Thank God. Thank Christ. Thank Christ. <laughs> Thank Christ for you. I thank Christ for you every day, Pat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this little series here against the Cleveland Guardians they win the first one and we're thinking hey we've got hope this is what the Red Sox need to do they need to go out there and they need to have themselves a week not just a series not just a series they need to have a week Three to one on Monday. Red Sox win. They get shit on eight to three on Tuesday. Yesterday, Franchi Cordero, three errors, which essentially cost them the game. And I don't even think it's essentially. The three errors cost the Red Sox the game. If Franchi Cordero uh doesn't suck at first base the red sox win that game i think can we say that definitively yes and the other thing is like the three errors that wasn't even all of it dude the steven kwan double down the right field line like yeah. franchi cordero didn't even like the ball just skipped by him any first baseman with some brain cells would have been able to block that ball and you just get destroyed and listen i like franchi is you know i i don't want to crap on the guy what do you, what do you like fault. about him uh, <laughs> I think there is some hope with at the plate still. You know, we got two months of above average production so you, the from The things him. that you like about him are the things that you're just waiting to see, right? Uh, we saw them in May and June. They're just gone now. But the reality is mm. he can't be at first base, and it's insulting to have him out there at first base when there's been options where you could have upgraded just to get, you know, some decent defense. Because let's be real. Let's just go through the month of July and think how many games Franchi Cordero has cost you. Uh, let's go to Thursday when the Yankees were at Fenway Park. Huge turning point where you could have possibly, you know, you won the final two games of that series. You could have got your first series win against an AL East team. Oh, that was the Franchi drop when Josh Winkowski was on the mound. You could go back to Tampa Bay where you got swept at Tropicana. And Franchi Cordero doesn't realize the play is over and throws the ball to Christian Vasquez and it bounces away. That was what the Chris Sale comeback start, the very first one. And then you have a night like you did last night. Like you're talking, there's a legit list and there's more moments than that. If we go back to June and May where he has cost you games to be over the luxury tax 
and to have this is your, you know, part of your platoon at first base. And he's playing more, we know, because of the injuries and everything going on. Bad. That, that is a really bad look uh, for this team, for the front office as well. And I don't know how they've sat here and they've been willing to eat this mistake on a nightly basis uh, because you're getting laughed at across baseball. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm a guy who has supported Franchi Cordero because uh, I believe that at the plate, he can be a league average hitter. What he's doing at first base, that is some of the worst mistakes I've ever seen out there. And, you know, you can compare him to Kyle Schwarber or whatever. Kyle Schwarber knew enough when a play was going bad to stop. Frenchy Cordero doubles down, says, fuck it, and I'm going to make this the worst thing possible. And that just, it's happened way too many times this year. And yeah, that's for... Also, that, that's also the difference between a veteran and a, and a young guy. Yeah, trying and like... To, trying to make up for a mistake immediately rather than just... Let's curtail damage here. <laughs> yeah, and listen, it, it's nothing against him. It's the front office that's put him in this spot. So you're watching a guy who's just trying to get by. Like he, he's a guy who has not had a legit stint in the big leagues. This is his only path. It go play first base, take the lickings, and just keep moving. And he's done that, and he's a great guy in the clubhouse, as we know. But geez, man, uh, it, it is not fair to him. It, it's kind of cruel for being honest, just to see what he has to go through out there because he just doesn't know how to play the position. And he's he trying sure to do does. too much. It's bad, man. It, that is a bad thing to have going on. And for the Red Sox to just go through this month and think it was okay to do this. I don't What's get even it. crazier is that he was back in there the next night. Because <laughs> yeah, they don't have a choice. They're no. doubling down on the mistake. And listen, Carlos Santana, yeah, he slipped at the plate a little bit. Just having someone who could play the position and get you by, like that would go a long way at this point. And just to have a veteran presence where not, you don't feel nervous every time the ball goes his direction. It's scary. Yeah. You flinch every single time. There was a play. Uh, I don't think he. Yeah, no, he didn't get an error for it. But so he had his three errors at first base. There was another play where balls hit to the right side. Franchi tries to scoop it and it goes right by him. And Yolmer Sanchez had to field it and then throw it to him at first base. And like, bailed him out. If you're a second baseman, the last thing that you're probably thinking is that I have to back up my first baseman on a routine grounder to the right side. Like it, it wasn't like some like crazy, like in-between play. It was hit almost right at Franchi. And he tried to he tried to like go glove side. And instead of like getting in front of it, he was trying to like do like like run by and scoop it glove side and it just went right by him. Yolmer Sanchez scoops it up and throws him out at first. They still got the out. Uh but I mean if if Yolmer Sanchez does not have the uh field awareness to back up the first baseman on a grounder, then that's four errors for Franchi Cordero. Yeah. And you know we're talking about field awareness like Yolmer Sanchez, he's a gold glove winner. He, like, he went and took home that gold glove in 2019. So, like, yeah, if you don't have someone out there like that, that ball's slipping through. And, yeah, it's just not – it's one of those mistakes. It's one thing to have a guy at first base who's not hitting, you know, Travis Shaw. It's another thing when he's causing you multiple losses, when he is so, you know, unable to field the position that the mistakes he's making, two errors on one play, you're making history. Like, nobody had done that since Mo Vaughn in 1993. Like, think about what is going on here. And 
that where I have a problem with it, it's one thing if you're saying, you know, we're just trying to get by, things are going downhill here. Don't tell me you're trying to make a push for the postseason and you have Franchi Cordero playing first base for you. You can't have it both ways. It, it completely defeats that claim when you say something like that. Um, and, and that's my problem. And you can look at the Mariners. They got Carlos Santana, immediate boost. Is he going to be a great hitter all year? Probably not. But a spark like that going into this stretch of the year would have gone a long way. And it didn't have to be him. They could have gone multiple routes. They could have went and got someone who was cost controlled if they really wanted to. Um, I would have been I would have been very happy. I mean, I feel like I feel like Carlos Santana to the Red Sox has been rumored for three years forever. It's always popped up, but it even have to be Carlos Santana, someone who can field the position. Yeah, like I don't know. I can't think of a, the last time I saw a player at a, fr- a certain spot in the infield or the outfield look so lost on a regular basis. Pat, how how frustrating i know that you don't have room to complain because you're just fucking firing the ball all over the place but let's just say you had control right how how much is that in the back of your head that you it it doesn't like there's nothing you can do like it's not like you can prevent ground balls from going to the right side but how much is it in your head how much would it frustrate you if on any given night your first baseman is not actually a first baseman and his defense is costing you runs, costing you games. Yeah, it's, uh, it's horrible. I mean, when you're talking, especially at the big league level, you expect either your first, especially for your corner infielders, uh, to either be able to hit the shit out of the ball or be able to play some defense. Um, and Cordero's not doing either, really. He's back, I think, like 221 right now. If I'm, if I'm right, Tyler, thank you. So you know, he's not doing great hitting. And he's terrible at first base. I mean, you feel bad for the guy. If he's a good clubhouse guy, you're obviously not. Probably they love getting, him. Yeah, you're probably not getting on him. Uh, but as a pitcher, like you're fucking me too. Yeah. Uh, it's not. You're not just fucking over yourself here. You're fucking me. You're fucking the team, and you're trying to get out of innings. Uh, it's unbelievably frustrating. Frustrating. But you probably turn your frustration to the front office in this situation, kind of the way we're, we're doing right now because Frenchy Cordero doesn't belong at first base. Uh, and if I'm Frenchy Cordero, I'm fucking pissed. If I'm his agent, I'm on them because he's a younger guy getting thrown into, into the mix here in a position where he doesn't belong. And now there's going to be a stain on his, on his you know, type of, you know, whatever his aura is. You know, people are going to look back and just be like, oh yeah, maybe he can play somewhere else, but fucking he was shit in Boston. Mm-hmm. And it's like he doesn't belong where he is. Right. Uh, so it's all around not a good situation. It's like you look at a situation, especially this month, you're having trouble scoring runs. You're having trouble getting outs. You have a guy on the field who is just making things hard. He's making you need to get more outs for a pitching staff that's already burnt, that's unhealthy, that's not in a good place. And in the lineup this month, you know, he went for a stretch, whatever it was. He struck out 15 out of 17 at bats or whatever it was like. There's no value coming in that sense. And he's taken some better, you know, bats the last couple of nights. I'll give him his credit for it. Um, but yeah, it, where do you look? The blame has to go somewhere. And, you know, Franchi, it's just someone who's trying to do something without knowing what to do. That's it. Yeah. And there's been a couple guys who've gone through that this year on this roster, unfortunately. And when you're making a postseason push, you just you can't get by like that. It's just not it's not fair to the veterans in that clubhouse. It's not fair to the pitchers who are on fumes already trying to get by and you wonder why these games get out of hand like they have so far this month it's moments like that to uh to pat's point i actually i think i know i know franchi's agent so i should ask him but 
the point that Pat was making about the the agent and you know you're playing my guy out of position is not like it's not like he's a great defender in the outfield either. So I in his position, I feel like he should be thankful for the opportunity. Like be thankful that you're playing every day and be thankful that we're trying your ass out there at first base knowing that you suck. Because <laughs> it's not like his offense is keeping him in there anyway. And now, now we've got a situation where Bobby Dahlbeck got himself a big old black eye and now he's starting to hit and his defense at first base is at least passable. It, like, it's different worlds compared to Franchi Cordero. And I, listen, I'm not a big Bobby Dahlbeck defensive guy. He'll get, you'll get by with him. You can't get by with Franchi Cordero. No, you can't. I, it, like, it's almost like umpires. If I know your name, then it's because you suck. And if we're talking about Franchi Cordero this much at first base, it's, it's not because he's fucking good. He stinks. He stinks at first base. Uh, with Bob, yeah, there's been some plays. There's been some plays that have looked really ugly over there at first base. Some, like, routine plays. But he can pick it. You know, like, he's, he's not going to win a gold glove over there, but he can pick it. And he at least looks... Like you know how like like it, when a when a hitter gets in the, or, or a pitcher when a pitcher gets up to the plate and they say he looks hitterish, Bobby Dahlbeck looks first baserish. Yeah, and we've seen it. You know, he's had nice moments over there. It's just if you're going to make errors, that's one thing. You can't double down on the errors multiple times in the same exact play in the same game. Like, you're not learning from the mistakes, and, and that's the problem. And for Franchi, like, to your point, Jared, he came up as a shortstop. He was, a, he was originally in the infield. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to say everyone can be Hanley Ramirez and just, you know, get by and flip from short and eventually move across. Um, but, you know, he, he's just not improving over there. If anything, it's just getting worse. And he's been overexposed. And I think you can go and say, yeah, the guy hit above average for two months. There's something there, something you could probably try to work with and bet on. Um, but yeah, he, he can't be at first base. It has to be in the outfield and even out there. It's it's not great. He had a ball roll under his glove. What? Second game of the series or whatever it was where a run came around and scored ball. He was in left field. Yeah. Well, it's just it is a little crazy. It is crazy. Um that you can have a game like that and have it not necessarily even be close to an aberration. And you're just right back in the line. And I'm not blaming Cora. This, this is Heimblum sent this Red Sox team into play without a first baseman. They entered the season without a first baseman. Um, and I know well, Tristan Cassis got hurt in mid-May. And I think uh, had he not gotten hurt, he, he would be up here by now. Not a guarantee, but presumably would have been up by now. I agree. Um, but yeah, that's that's where you are. And uh, with that win, the Red Sox are what? Even 500? 50 and 50, baby. 50 and 50. You are 100 games. You've played 100 games. What have you decided? What have you, what have you shown the world about yourself? We are the definition of mediocre. You played 100 baseball games. That's a pretty large sample size. What can we take from that? Well, we are the most mediocre fucking team. I mean, in the league, right? What's their run differential? It's got to be what, like plus 20? Oh, 
Uh, are they in the pluses yet? Did they no, get the, they didn't come I, back from the pluses. I don't believe so. I think there are a couple round, or maybe I think minus twelve, negative fourteen. There you go. But I mean, that's what happens when you lose six hundred to nothing to the fucking Blue Jays. Yeah, th- that kind of threw everything out of whack. But I, I think that's the thing with this team. You know, it's one thing to be mediocre. It's just how they've gone about being mediocre, where it's been the lowest of lows and then the highest of highs. Um, but you you kind of just got to cross your fingers here. And I think this is the Red Sox front office, man. This is a hard trade deadline to maneuver. Uh, and we talked about it last episode with Pete. Uh, and we were all saying, yeah, you know, they need to sell some pieces off here. Well, now you have Xander Bogarts pleading in the post game, like, I please don't break us up. Like, we're trying so hard to keep this team together. So you have that building up now. You know, we're hearing the rumors of the Dodgers checking in on JD and, you know, where could he fit in the Mets, whatever I it may can't be. Do that. It, I can't do that. It's hard, man. I'm telling you, the Red Sox are in a very crucial point right now where in the next five days, the decisions they will make will not only impact the franchise, you know, in a big way this year, but for years to come. Like this stretch is so incredibly important. Like and you, re- could, you have could, one real series before the Astros. Andrew Andrew Benintendi going to the Yankees, like it was irritating. But JD Lincoln back up with Mookie. Like I literally said, I don't want Benintendi going to the Dodgers. I would rather Benintendi go to the Yankees than the Dodgers because it would kill me to see Benintendi and Mookie in the same outfield again together. It would kill me. So he goes to the Yankees and it's like, that still fucking hurts. It still sucks. I don't want to see that. It really bothers me. It really does. Seeing Andrew Benintendi in a, in a Yankee uniform. Like when I saw the news last night, like I was down bad. <laughs> like how down bad is perceived and described by today's youths. That's where I was. When I saw the Ben and Tenny, like I, I, I saw the report. I quote tweeted it, and I said I'm going to bed. And then I think I still tweeted ten more times after that because I went through all the stages of grief. I was angry. I was sad. I, I, I was a roller coaster of emotions. All of them bad. Uh, I didn't necessarily come around on it. I still, I, I still haven't. Come. Here's where I'm at on the Andrew Benintendi trade. To the, to the New York Yankees. Here's how I feel about it. You can choose to believe me or you can call bullshit. I'm rooting for Andrew Benintendi. I am. Because I know if I were Andrew Benintendi, I would have the biggest chip on my shoulder of all time. The Red Sox essentially looked at what Benintendi did uh, year to year. I mean, he, he, he had a little bit of a down year in 2019, 2020, he was an abomination. And then they'd ship him off to the Kansas city Royals and, uh, they get four players for him. Winkowski, one of them and Franchi Cordero, one of them. So you're seeing some of the, the Benintendi pieces here in Boston. Like they I wouldn't call them contributors, but they're there. They're definitely there. And I mean, the Red Sox basically said, like, we, you know, your defense is like, eh. And offensively, you've declined year over year for like the past two or three years here. He couldn't figure out what kind of hitter he was. And like, I think that was kind of Alex Cora's comments today before the game as well. Yeah. You know, listen, I I like Andrew Benintendi as a person. As a player, I throw him in the same category as Alex Verdugo, where 
you're infuriating to watch from time to time because you know how much more talent there is there and you're just unable to tap into it. Sure. And I, I view those players in that same lot again and again. And it's great to see what Ben Attendee's doing this year and props to him. It's been a very good year, aided by some bad luck. I, I will put that out there. I don't sure. think he's going to be this kind of hitter moving forward. Um, but last year, awesome. You won the gold glove. He was a league average hitter once again. It, it really has not clicked until 2022 for him. Yeah. And, and with Ben Intendi, it's more like like I get it with like the Babip stuff um, that that would tell you that he's had some luck. But in addition to the luck, there's been thought and work behind approach and how he trains. You're like, not going to be was, a 30 home run guy. No. In 2017, 2018, that's when he bulked up and he was like, I'm going to start fucking crushing homers. And he didn't. And then he kind of, with, with all the bulk, came a lack of a range of motion. He wasn't the same hitter. And so he kind of like dropped a little bit of the weight, got more flexible, uh, and started trying to make contact, put the ball in play. Instead of trying to like hit all these homers and double, just put the ball in play. He's got three homers this year. You're an all-star, Andrew Benintendi. You made the all-star team this year because you just put the ball in play. You get on base. You make contact and you you make them throw throw you out and and a lot of times they don't. So the way that I kind of look at the whole Andrew Benintendi's of the Yankees thing is is he is he this player in 2022? If the Red Sox don't trade him, probably not, right? Like no, like the big thing you like kind of cited there, uh, the approach and stuff. He said he didn't realize or fall back into the mold of what we saw as. You know, when Ben Attendee was coming up and we talked about him being a guy who could challenge for batting titles was how he could spray the ball over the field. He said he had to learn to do that when he got to KC again because he knew he wasn't going to be able to homer at that ballpark. Like he, he didn't believe his power would play there. So you get those big ass outfields. What do you do? You try to spray the ball, all these different singles he gets made fun of for and you pair it. He has his best walk rate, you know, over a full actual season since 2018. It's 10%. It was 10.7% in 2018. And he stopped striking out a ton. Yeah. Which is part of the power. You know, you're selling out for power. There's going to be some swing and miss. Yeah. So all that to say. I preferred Andrew Benintendi end up with the Yankees than the Dodgers because I couldn't handle seeing Andrew Benintendi and Mookie Betts because those wounds have they'll never heal, but they've started to heal a little bit. With Mookie, I think when those will open up again is if the Dodgers make a real serious run at the World Series and now you're talking about, well, Mookie Betts, here's a tough pill to swallow, Red Sox fans. What if Mookie Betts wins more World Series with the Dodgers than he ever ever won with the Red Sox? Because that's possible. That's actually very possible. Will you count the 2020 or does he have to win two beyond that for you? I count 2020. And I so I had like this conversation with a Dodger fan at uh, the All-Star game. And I said, I very much count 2020 because the Dodgers had to go through every team that they would have had to go through if the season was 162. And the whole advantage of like, well, it was only 60 games, so everyone was well rested and like they had a healthy Clayton Kershaw. Every team had that advantage. Like they had to go through the Padres. And and by the way, like there may be whatever, 12 games of separation this year between the Padres and the Dodgers, whatever. But if you remember during 2020, 
the the Dodgers Padres games during the regular season, those were fucking pay-per-view heavyweight boxing matches. Like those were like game seven atmosphere dog fights. So they had to go through the Padres. Then they had to go through the Braves, come back from being down 3-1, and then go into the World Series and play whatever. Like if you want to say whatever about the Tampa Bay Rays. But the Rays knocked off the Yankees. And the Rays knocked off who the Astros. Yeah, like that Rays team was battle tested. So whatever you want to say that it's a Mickey Mouse World Series ring. I don't I don't my thoughts do not align with that. Uh, I think because it was a 60 game season that allowed Clayton Kershaw to be fresh and pitch into that postseason and get the monkey off his back. So if you want to say like Clayton Kershaw didn't truly get the monkey off his back because he didn't go 162 and then go into October with, you know, the wear and tear of a full season, you want to make it a Clayton Kershaw discussion, fine, whatever. I don't agree with you. But in terms of the Dodgers World Series being real or not, they went through the fucking gauntlet that they should have and would have probably had to have gone through if the game, if the series uh, season was 162 games. So it's a real World Series ring to me. Mookie's got one here. He's got one there. And that's going to be super fucking weird if he gets another one with the Dodgers. It's kind of like I I was thinking about it during the Ortiz ceremony, watching Terry Francona down on the field with the Guardians for the Ortiz ceremony. And I was like counting on my hand. I was like, wait a second. Like Terry Francona has been the Indian slash Guardians manager longer than he was ever in Boston. 10 years. That's crazy. It's ridiculous, but you look at it and that's really where the Mookie thing is. Even if he doesn't win another ring by the time he's at the end of that contract, the Red Sox days, like for people who watch long over the years, you long forgot. You'll be like, oh, it'll be like when you think of Manny Ramirez and, you know, when he played for the Indians. Yeah. It's the same exact thing where it's like, oh, crap. I, I kind of forgot he started his career there, yeah. which is sad. But, you know, that's the reality of the situation. Yeah. Is there, Pat, off topic. Is there one manager you wish you could have played for that you didn't get to that was active when you played? Mm. Uh, not the one that comes to my head was Tito. I, I've always heard great things about him. Originally, it was uh, Joe Madden, uh, but I didn't hear great things about him uh, when I was playing. I heard it was the Joe Madden show. It wasn't anything about the players. Uh, he was just this this crazy charismatic guy that you can get along with and have a beer with. But as far as being like a great clubhouse guy, it, it, it was he, everyone kind of felt it was his show. It wasn't nobody else's. Uh, so I actually didn't hear great things about him. So he was my would have been my original pick. Uh, but I think I had to go with Tito just because I, you know I grew up in that Yankee Red Sox thing, uh, and you know Joe Torre I didn't hear great things about either. Uh, but he had already gone, and the only one left was Tito. So I, I think I'd have to choose with him. What do people say about Joe Torre? Uh, I I won't divulge my sources, but uh, another big it's my show guy, um, and went to pretty good lengths to ensure that. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The world needs more selfless people like us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The world, you know what the world needs more of? What? Athletic greens. Tell me more. Yeah. Actually, uh, the whole 
<clears throat> AG1 or that we're mixing in here. It's helped me out right now because it is 12.15 in the morning. And I started my day at 8 a.m. I had a meeting this morning at 8 a.m., which turned into an interview at like 10. Then we did baseball is dead at noon. And then I can't remember what I did after that. Then we had to go to the game. Now we're doing this. It's a long day. With these long days, though, like you don't want to just be like slamming energy drinks all the time. Lots of sugar, by the way. Pat, you a big sugar guy? Am I a big sugar guy? No, not a big sugar guy. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because our next partner has a product that I use literally every day now. Mm -hmm. I swear by it. Okay. Because I actually tried to cut sugar like out of my diet. It was like, I don't know. I'm 33 now. I'm kind of getting a little fluffy. <laughs> so I'm trying to, you know, switch to to things that make me feel good. So come over to the side, Jared. It's a good I'm place. I'm trying, man. Fluffy. I'm trying. That's what I'm doing with AG1. <clears throat> because I wanted to get better gut health and more energy. Been on it for a few weeks. And I have to tell you that I feel great. And people are like, well, what even is it? I'll tell you right now, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, <clears throat> whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. And here's why I love it. I do four podcasts a week. I'm watching 20 games a week, probably more than that, actually. We're doing the stream. We've got all kinds of shit. I got to do the, the show with Tony. Waking up, taking my AG1 gives me the energy that I need to talk to these fools and try to be entertaining and on my A game every single day. Get all my vitamins and minerals. It's all just one easy scoop. And now that I'm on the road more, I think I'm going to be gone all week next week too. I haven't seen my parents in a long time. <laughs> They have the to-go to, uh, to packs as well. Uh, I can wake up and, and just start my day with the to-go packs. And it costs you less than $3 a day. So if you're, if you're uh, keeping score at home, that is 1,000% has to be cheaper than whatever coffee you're probably buying. Costs you less than 3 bucks a day. And also, it supports better sleep quality and recovery. These are all great things that you need in your life. Better gut health, energy, better sleep, and recovery. What is the downside? Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and <clears throat> arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health and to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Yeah. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Red Sox to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What a deal. Um, so now, I mean, I guess people at this, at this point, right? At this point of the season, it's July 29th because it's after midnight. 
The Brewers are coming to town, which we're going to talk about in the Stop and Shop look ahead. Uh, the trade deadline is Tuesday at 6 p.m. Less, less discussion about the in. I mean, we talked about Franchi. I mean, I, you know, thanks, Cutter Crawford. I don't, there's n- not a whole lot of takeaways, I guess, that we can talk about from these games when Rafael Devers gets put on the injured list. You're going in there with, with not a lot. JD with the back spasms. What, what did he miss? The first two? He came back to start the series. He did? Yep. Okay. Who else are we missing? Trevor Story still yeah, Trevor having Story's issues. Uh, yeah. Matt Strom gone. Rich Hill down and getting a rehab start today. Looks like he'll start Tuesday. Michael Waka throwing a sim game this week. You're missing just about everything. Kike, you know, is going to try to start now. swinging a bat this weekend. Oh, sick. Love that. Well, you went into this Guardian series. This is not about, oh, this is a test. This is, you know, you got to see what you got. You don't, you still don't have your fucking team. Like the Red Sox, the Red, this is not the Red Sox. This is not the team that if the Red Sox were to make the postseason, this is not the team that's going to be there. Hopefully, you're, the you're legit intended to be there. You're legit playing the Woo Sox. I know people wanted to like cry and get off their, you know, their takes this morning when they saw Danny Santana, you know, like signed back to a minor league deal. You know why they signed him? They, they legit don't have enough position players in AAA right now. <laughs> Like, yeah, they are having issues. Guys are kind of running down. Chris Hatfield from Sox Prospects had a fantastic tweet on this or like a little thread. And he, he mentioned it. He's like, they don't have enough position players at the moment down there. They're just trying to get someone who's versatile and can play multiple spots. If he goes down there and swings it. All right. It's a different conversation. Maybe you consider it. But that's how many guys you have on the IL right now. Yep. So that's where we're at. Um. I did have one concern from this series, or one general concern. And it wasn't Franchi. Oh, well, it's someone he came along with. Josh Winkowski. Uh, oh. Uh, listen, there, there's some real uh, not great things go- going on with him on the mound right now. Uh, another start came out. That was one of the most infuriating starts I think I've watched all of this season, where he was getting, you know, 1-2-0-2, almost every single batter. Uh, no problem getting ahead. Just no out pitch. Could not put anybody away. And he's now through eight starts. It was a 437 through seven. Now it's over five after this last one. He has a 6.1K per nine in these eight starts. That's not going to get it done. Nope. That's not a major league starter. He's not missing enough bats. Uh, And I'm concerned. Seeing him not be able to put guys away like that is torture. Uh, So I think Cutter Crawford, you look at him after another good start today. He's obviously moved ahead of Winkowski on that chart for, you know, depth starters or really someone who can fill that spot down the stretch, especially if they deal a starter or two away. Um, But I think with Winkowski, you know, you keep letting him get a couple, but the conversation about him moving to a bullpen role, which is ultimately the projection I had on him the whole time, he hit 99 in a relief role down in the Arizona Fall League. Winkowski? Yeah, he hit 99 down there last year. And what the fuck? If I'm the Red Sox, I say, well, we tried Cutter Crawford in that bullpen role at the beginning of the year. Turns out he's actually probably a big league starter or a back end guy. Josh Winkowski's probably more built for that original Cutter Crawford role. Jesus Christ. <sighs> Cutter Crawford's probably there. the only good starter the Red Sox have at the moment. Um, 
but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to uh, my my Josh Winkowski optimism is starting to wane. Um, I'm not as big of a fan now as as I was. I don't know a month ago, maybe. But you just look at Crawford going into tonight. Into tonight, last thirty one and a third, three sixteen ERA, two ninety six FIP. Pretty good. And he, you know, he got squared up a little bit tonight. The line looked pretty solid overall. Um, Not but, a lot you know, of strikeouts. What do you have? Two strikeouts? Just two strikeouts. Yeah. Um, but he's over 10K per nine this year. So I'm not super concerned with him on that route either. Unlike sure. Bunkowski, which is, you know, four K. And he's less. got some giddy up as a, as a starter. And there's going to be some, you know, it, the stuff wasn't as good as we've seen in some starts today. The velocity has been a little bit higher from Crawford at times. Yeah. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, but that's that's all right. So what I was trying to get at is the Red Sox split this series, which all three of us predicted. Pat Light predicted that because he was on the podcast. First one to say it, Pat Light. Yeah. Yeah. Pat said split against the Guardians. Yeah. Um, Tyler said split. I said split. Uh, do we like what does this do? for the buyer-sell positioning of the Red Sox. What does splitting do? I would say basically nothing. I think where the Red Sox are right now, you know, within the next, really just this week, there wasn't much of a, you know, if they had lost every game and it was completely bad, maybe they'd sell a bit more. But I think ultimately, like we saw, they weren't going to trade Bogarts or Devers. I think even if they lost every single game this week, I think buying and selling is the right approach. You need to go get some controllable assets here. And I know that's tough. We see Xander begging for guys not to go. But with JD and Evaldi, and you have a little bit of a Rule 5 you know, roster crunch coming up for the 40-man this year, uh, you know, with guys like Jimenez down in the minors who have kind of hit their levels and just really, you know, they've kind of peaked, but maybe they can be, you know, a Jason Rosario like the Red Sox acquired back in 2020. I'm looking to pair those pieces and maybe some of your pitching death prospects as well. Go get some guys that don't drain your team. You still can compete, but they can help for the next couple of years. Yeah. Kind of like you went to Cespedes originally. Obviously, that turned into Rick Porcello, but get something that where your team's not going to tank or fall out of it, but you kind of exchange a couple pieces and you're seeing what really the plan is for 2023 and beyond. Yeah. <clears throat> I just do not want JD on the Dodgers. I can't see it. I cannot see Mookie and JD back together. I can't. They're very close. Like, I would say, I don't want to speak for either one of them, but I'm pretty sure that, like, Mookie's closest teammate in 2018 was JD. We heard, you know, Rafael Devers just talking recently about how much JD means to him. And I think JD's market is going to be interesting. you know, not to crap on the guy. He's been a below league average hitter for two months now. Uh, the power is not there. Four home runs over that stretch. It was a 99 weighted runs created plus. That makes me so, feel bad for making fun of him now at the All-Star game. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, JD's kind of done this two years in a row now where there's been a burst early in the year where everything clicks and he looks ridiculous. And then the power, you know, kind of falls off and he's really not hitting like he was. So I, I don't think there's going to be teams willing to throw a ton for him. Maybe the Red Sox sit there and they don't see anything they like. And they're just like, screw it. We'll take him and throw him a qualifying offer and see what happens with him. And, you know, maybe you get him back for whatever, 18 for one year. Um, but if I'm the Red Sox, I'm pushing JD out the door and I'm pushing Nate 
And I'm trying to get some controllable assets that give you flexibility for next year and allow you to have some, you know, a more certain future because there's so many holes for next year. You need so to start many. to fill some of those. You need I to. Can't even, I can't even talk about next year because I'll have a fucking panic attack. But that's how it is. And with Heim Bloom, if you're telling me he's going to hold on to Xander Bogarts and take that risk, he's going to make sure some of that risk is solved in other spots. You know, you got to make up for it. And I think for Heim Bloom right now, there's a lot of people crapping on him and, you know, saying, oh, I'm done with Heim, whatever. Um, the reality is the moves he makes really at this deadline, you know, he needs to be creative. We need to see some of those moves. You know, when Dave Dabrowski was here, one of the criticisms was there was really nothing ever outside the box. You know, he, he kind of was, I want it. I'm going to go get it. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to give it up. All right, Heim Bloom, you don't really have a super set group for next year. You have a lot of free agents kind of on their way out, and this team's not, you know, they're kind of sputtering. Don't be 2019 Dombrowski and go get Andrew Kashner and call it a day. You got to be creative here and get some pieces that help you, keep you still afloat. You, you know, you'll be somewhat competitive down the stretch, but you need to do a little bit of both here. Um, Pat, what would you, what would you grade Heim Bloom's performance this year? Before I even get there, Jared, I'd love to uh, give my take here on the uh, trade deadline. I think me being away from the podcast for the last six to seven weeks has really allowed me some perspective here. Um, The negativity that I hear amongst this podcast right now, the last time I was on this podcast, the, the Red Sox, we were talking about June 28th. Uh, we were, we were going against a Yankee series. I think the last podcast I was on, I was actually in Boston for, um, listen, this team, you put it perfectly, Jared, the team you're seeing right now is hopefully, but you know, obviously you have to say hopefully, but it's hopefully not the team you would see if we were to be playing in October, this team can compete at a high level when healthy. Obviously we, we there's a chance, good chance we don't have sale for the rest of the year, but we, I want to I, I want to moderately buy at the trade deadline. We're three and a half games out of the wild card, right, Tyler? You know better than I would. Correct. Three and a half games out of the wild card. Yes. Like we're not out of this by any means. And in, in you know three weeks ago, we were leading the wild card. It's a shit show for the AL wild card, especially with adding an, an additional wild card spot in there this year. I would be upset um, if we just started selling off some of these pieces like a JD and stuff like that. I think there's a reason why, and I think we should listen to our, in my opinion, probably our clubhouse leader in Xander Bogarts. And please don't break up this team. If they have, if, if they're, listen, I'm not a 162 guy. I don't know what we're looking at. And, you know, and I'm not even in the clubhouse, which they're going to know more than we will know as far as injuries and what we're actually looking about, looking at here with guys coming back for the year. Uh, but if we have a legitimate possibility to have these guys come back in the middle of August, and we can add a piece here or two that kind of bridge this gap to where we can still be in that two and a half to three and a half, four games out of the wild card with a month and a half of baseball left. I think we go do it. Let fuck the next year. Let's go win right now and be the Red Sox. Be the fucking Boston Red Sox. And and that's what you know. I know we got Heimblum to not be the Red Sox anymore and be the guy, be the the team that has a great farm system and the fucking unbelievable team in the big leagues, which. Historically, the only team I've ever known to do this was the Dodgers. But 
let's go fucking win now and be the damn Red Sox. Be the team that we're supposed to be, the big market team that goes spend some money and wins a World Series. That's who I want to fucking be right now. The, the, the fucking New York Yankees are fucking mediocre. Mediocre for the last month. They're very, they're very, t- we can get them. They're gettable. I don't know if the Dodgers are, but they're gettable. Um, fucking go get it. That's where I'm at. That's my rant. I rank, I rank Heim Bloom's year, you know, uh, C plus, B minus right now. I, it's tough to put things on him because there's been so many injuries. You're without Chris Sale, uh, without Nathan Avaldi. Uh, you know, I don't, I haven't, it's again, when you're, I'm not looking at this team. I, this series means nothing to me, whether or not what we do at the trade deadline. It means absolutely fucking dick. Uh, it only means the injuries. Injuries are what's dictating this club, whether or not they buy or sell. If all these guys are out for the year. Okay, sell off guys. You're probably not going to win this year. But these guys are coming back in the middle of the next month. You have a very different ball club. And I hate for these guys to come back and us not to have some of these pieces that we trade away at the deadline. So, uh, I'll give I'll give Heimblum a B minus solely because of injuries, but I haven't loved the product he's put on the field thus far, specifically at first base. A B minus feels generous. I, again, I'm I'm going off injuries. You know the, the product he's put well, on this field. So, go ahead. This this is this is what I said to Maz the other night. Heimblum added players that at times were helping this club. Michael Walker, uh, Rich Hill. But some of the guys that went down with injuries, you should expect them to go down with injuries because they always have. Like those guys are like you added a stable of injury prone players. And then, I mean, I get that some guys you rolled the dice. Like last year, perfect example, Nathan Avaldi. Nathan Avaldi uh, historically has gotten injured all the time. And then last year, you got super lucky with a full season of a healthy Nathan Avaldi, and you saw what that looks like. He's a fucking ace. He's a Cy Young contender. He's a dog in the playoffs. But you can't bank on just like rolling, running that back every single year and be like, well, yeah, now Nate is just like a staple of health. So, well, no, like, you know, you lot, he went down for a month this year. And in that month, you kind of got fucked. And Rich Hill, oldest pitcher in the league. Like, you know, you, you're really going to bank on 32 starts from that guy and 200. Like, no, like no one really throws 200 innings anymore. Uh, Michael Walker, another guy where it's like, yeah, like, can we really bank on him taking the ball 32 times? No. And he hasn't. So I, I think it's more so uh, even like James Paxton, you're paying him $10 million to rehab for the Boston Red Sox. Like That's what you paid him for. Uh, and and you knew that you knew that going in Like you. It's not like you expected James Paxton to be healthy on opening day. You knew that you were paying him essentially to come here and rehab, and that's what he's doing. So, like, I, I, I feel like we here on this podcast at the beginning of the year, it's like you're just so excited to have baseball back that you're like, listen, I know none of this sounds like a great idea, but I, it could work. You know, what if, what if, what if, what if everyone stays healthy? That would be great. And, you know, if they are healthy, they're all good players. They they can all contribute. I I think the Red Sox could have a good team if everyone stays healthy. Every pu- team at the beginning of spring training is going to say, "If we stay healthy, we can really do something." But the whole "if we stay healthy," uh, I guess caveat. Some some teams, the likelihood of that is much higher than others. And with the Red Sox, it really wasn't that super high. 
And let's be real. We look at 2021 and you talk about how a year, you know, everything can go your way. The Red Sox were super healthy last year, like extremely healthy. Obviously, you had Garrett Whitlock get a little banged up at the end and Chris Sale coming back off of Tommy John. But for the most part, you think back to that team. It wasn't ridiculous or anything even close to what it was this year, uh, especially in your starting rotation. But I, I think where a lot of the blame for Heim this year, it it starts with what the plan was coming into this year. You know, after the lockout, Chris Sale goes down. You completely disrupt your plan of having Whitlock and Houck in the bullpen, which we see now. And it's like, oh, wow, that feels like a different bullpen out there when you have those guys. Um, you know, Whitlock picking up two saves in the series, doing what he did and just dominating. Um, but at that point, Chris Sale went down. You never reacted to it. You just said, okay, well, we're going to pull Hulk and throw him in the rotation. Ultimately leads you to the path of jerking Garrett Whitlock back and forth, uh, which we've talked about it a million times. If Garrett Whitlock's closing in games for you or in this bullpen, you know, you're probably holding the third wildcard spot right now. You know, you're in a much different spot. It's that. It's, you know, your first base plan. And, you know, I think there's fair criticism about whether they should have moved off of Bobby Dalvik during the offseason, because I don't think we're ever going to see anything that replicated that August and September again. Um, that felt like an asset you should have taken advantage of. And for Haim, I view him as a talent evaluator. You need to know when to capitalize on what someone's stock is that high. Um, and then your other idea was, what are we going to do? What's our backup plan at first base? Travis Shaw, who's retired. <laughs> I, I, like, I hate picking on Travis Shaw. We're, Travis Shaw's retired right now, too. No, there was not one damn team that called him after the Red Sox released him. You went 0 for 20 and they told you to go home. Like, that, that's what happened there. And then in right field, you told me you were looking for outfield help. I saw you connected to, you know, different options out there. AJ Pollock, we, we've talked about it. And then you went with JBJ and Christian Arroyo. That like, is kind of funny, though. You've cornered yourself into some of these spots. Um, and even at second base, I like Trevor Story. I think he's going to work here. He hasn't given you what you expected out of Trevor Story this year. He's a below average league hitter. Can you I know, make he, this point really quick? Go ahead. On the on the subject of Trevor Story, um, you could have signed Jose Iglesias for one year, five million, and he's having a better season all around than than Trevor Story. There were people tweeting that you know when that signing happened, and like you could have had Jose Iglesias. You could have taken the Trevor Story money and signed Kevin Gosman, who they didn't even call, did not even place a phone call, uh, and I believe he might still. I think he I know he leads the the league in FIP. His FIP is like 198 or something like that. It's ridiculous. Uh, and no pitcher has carved up the Red Sox more. Right. Yeah. Gosman has routinely shoved it up the Red Sox ass this year. Um so yeah, you take you take that guy away from the team that's leading the wild card race, you put him on your team, which I would imagine would help your situation quite a bit. Um or and, Jared, just for a second, what if you take that money and you give it to Kyle Schwarber? I think you could do all three of those things. Yeah, because look at the money. Like, look at some of the money that they've spent, right? It's a little bit here, a little bit there, but it adds up. The Trevor Story money, uh, Deekman, Paxton. You can take some combination of that money and come away with Schwarber, Gosman, and jose iglesias and i'm not saying that like jose iglesias is like <laughs> like you know if you sign him you're not saying uh here's the savior guys but i think a lot put it this way i don't think that there was a large 
groundswell for Trevor's story until I think what happened was the Red Sox didn't do a fucking thing all offseason. And then by the end of the offseason, I think people were just so excited to be involved in a rumor that they were like, I just want to hit on this rumor. I don't even care who the fuck it's for. Like, and then like, you know, it's like, oh, the Red Sox are tied to Trevor's story. Let's fucking get him. Let's go and get this guy. And then they land him and you're like, fuck yeah. People are, I think people are just excited that the Red Sox were doing something, anything. I think that's what it really was. Because at the beginning of the offseason, I don't think there were very, very many people that were like, all right, it's November. We got to go get Trevor Story. Like, we got to do it. If the Red Sox in November or December, right before the lockout, said, hey, we're bringing back Jose Iglesias, people would have been like, fuck yeah, we are, dude. Are you kidding me? He was fucking awesome for the Sox last year. He was great in the clubhouse. They love I'm not saying that. I'm not saying Trevor Story is not great in the clubhouse. He is. Like, they love him. Um, but I think that if they had just done that in November, December, signed Jose Iglesias, I think a lot of fans are like, yeah, okay. I like that. I like that. Now it's like you're filling a need. You have the defense. You have, I mean, he can, he's hitting 300, whatever. Batting average still matters to me. I think his oh, OPS is still higher than Trevor Story's. It's like Jared, high 700s. Yep. Uh, OPS plus is 100. So that, that is higher than Trevor Story this year. He's yep. been a league average hitter, but that's better but than better what than Trevor Story's Story. been. Yep. Uh, so, <laughs> and then it's, it's not about like, which player is better? It's about could you sign Jose Iglesias for one year, five million, which I believe is somewhere around the, what the Rockies gave him, uh, and then use that money to go elsewhere. And like maybe you sign Schwarber, maybe you have a conversation with Kevin Gosman and just pick it, up the fucking phone. It, it's just those things of you know, and not all these routes work. Obviously, Kevin Gosman would have been a whole nother element, but it would have been a way to build for the future. So you had someone in Schwarber who could be a placeholder at first and then be your DH, you know, moving forward. So you have a plan there in the coming years. The other thing is like the Hunter Renfro trade in a vacuum. I can understand it. Alex Benellis, we know uh, David Hamilton. David Hamilton has been fine. Benellis, good. But, you know, scuffling since his promotion to double A, Hunter Renfro is going nuts in Milwaukee. Yeah. Like, dude, he is going off in... My biggest complaint is, you know, I think Trevor Story was the response to that. Oh, fuck. We lost a 30 home run bat. We need to go find that somewhere. But what are you looking for right now? You're hoping to find another Hunter Renfro. You're hoping to find a guy who can be an impact, you know, close to the middle of the order of bat, um, who can play in the outfield because you're going to have two holes there next year minimum. And the guy in left field, Alex Verdugo, is having a down year. So, like, you're basically looking now for what you gave up a controllable outfielder that, you know, you can depend on and could handle a right field or a center field at Fenway Park. I'm not telling you Hunter Renfro was the greatest thing ever defensively. We knew some of the struggles, but, you know, it wasn't he was no Christian Arroyo out there. He was good enough and he's having a great year defensively. If you look at defensive runs saved right now, it, it was much higher than you expect. I think it was close to 10. Uh, hold on. The thing Pat? that I want to point out here is we we can sit here and play Monday morning quarterback all we want. In my opinion, Heim Bloom's goal of this offseason, or what he ended up doing, the, the, the idea of it, wasn't terrible. You put a, a few veteran uh, big league pitchers to hopefully one of them or a couple of them 
do the job of Chris Sale and bridge the gap along with what's going to be a phenomenal, what we believe to be a phenomenal offensive uh, uh, output to bridge that gap to get to Chris Sale. We hope that Nathan Navaldi would stay healthy again this year as he did the year prior and was fantastic. And now you have Chris Sale, Nathan Navaldi, a one-two matchup uh, that's going to go up against any team in baseball and have a chance to win in a playoff series. Uh, I think the plan wasn't that bad. The other thing I take away, if you ask me the same question, or if I ask you guys the same question at the end of June, we'd all have very different fucking answers. And now it's not working out. But you know, it, month by month in a baseball season is not how we judge how a, a GM has done. Um, and you know, it, this team again, I I don't think that, yeah, okay, we relied on some guys that get hurt. It happens all the fucking time. It, this team is still a good fucking team, and I'm not I'm not ready to to you know throw Heim Bloom down the toilet either. I think that he he made it he made a play. If you, the the fact that anyone I don't care what Red Sox fan you want to talk about, if you talk, if I went up to any Red Sox fan on the fucking street last year going into the offseason, I said, hey, I I'm gonna go get Trevor Story or, or Jose Iglesias, whose career I pitched against Jose Iglesias. I remember the scouting report. It was not the same one against Trevor Story. I can promise you that. It's a much easier at bat for any pitcher ever. The only thing, the best thing Jose Iglesias is going to do of you is get to first base. So if I went in, into Boston, I walked down to fucking Copley Square, and I said, told everyone, hey, Jose or, or, or Trevor Story, which one do you want me to go get? I would, I would presume 10 out of 10 are playing. I'm going to get Trevor Story. Maybe we get the, the random real baseball fan that's diehard. It's like, oh, you know, Maybe we save some money. We, we, we build for the future here and get Jose Iglesias. But the average fan is not doing that. Uh, and I just I think the Trevor story was, was a, a, fun, a fine move. He's not performed quite the way we have. But again, we're talking about a month of baseball. You know, I was on this podcast a month ago, and we were very positive. We loved everyone. And now three weeks later, we've had some injuries, we've had some losses. We <laughs> fucking hate everyone. This is the classic Boston fucking fan base. Uh, and I this don't is hate why, anybody. This, I don't, no, I, I don't hate. This, I don't okay, hate anybody. This is why I, I think the holes form. Hold on, hold on, hold on, jabronis. This is why people don't perform in Boston. You want to talk about Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro, or Hunter Renfro leaving and doing great? You want to talk about any of these guys that leave and do fantastic? Is because you you're only as good as your last fucking appearance in this damn town. And you got to give some guys some chances. You, you can't, he did great here. He did great here. But the, the thing is, at the end of the day, guys, is this team is not fucking bad. And although they haven't performed well in the month of July, some would say horrendously, you know, these guys still are good baseball players. And we can compete at a high level. We just need to get some guys sure. off injury. I'm not ready to sell the farm or get rid of, you know, obviously not selling the farm, but I'm not ready to sell the team off or sell Bloom off for this bullshit. <sighs> no, I think anyone who's calling for Hein Bloom's job, you're like you're pretending to be radio hosts, you know, some of the radio hosts in the city, just anything nerd, anything Hein Bloom, it's the only take they can have. So they just want to kill him and crap on him. That's not the case. You know, I put out a poll today on my Twitter. What grade would you give Hein Bloom for his tenure? Uh, I'd put him, I, I'd have him really in the B range, probably a B to B minus overall. But I, I think this year there's a lot of fair criticism. I think some of the stuff, the bullpen stuff's been a problem from day one. Uh, that they could have addressed your team over the luxury tax and you were considerably short out there. Uh, first base, if you want to go and tell me Bobby Delbeck, you wanted to bet on him, I could get by. JBJ and Christian Arroyo, I think that's been a consistent issue uh, out there as well. I, I think there's fair things and that's where the Hunter Renfro trade and stuff comes in. I think there's fair criticism behind this year. But this team, they are a good team. They're not crap. They're not a bunch of jokes. It's just what is the ceiling of this team 
down the stretch here and how much is it worth investing in overall when you have holes that you know you didn't really plan for in the coming year 2023 2024 because of some of the things you sat back on this offseason uh and i think that was one of my biggest issues with this past offseason you didn't really figure out the vision you, you know you didn't start to put some of the pieces together for the next couple of years and part of that was not figuring things out with xander bogarts where you insulted him and put that cloud over this team the entire year you know i, I think that's been something that's hovering it gets old man and xander bogarts said like I feel like a weight's been lifted off my shoulders now that I know I'm not being dealt here. Okay. You know, I, I just think there's fair criticism for Haim this year. People asking him to be fired. Breathe. Relax. He got you to the ALCS last year. You were two games away from a World Series. Trevor Story, a bad move? No. I just think there's been spots on the roster that were overlooked, and he hasn't been willing to acknowledge when they needed to be fixed or added. And that's frustrating when you're saying, you know, you're making a push for the postseason because you have the pieces to supplement a team in a way that's not going to drain your farm system or through money where you could have given, you know, Ryan to pair of money so that your bullpen didn't put you in such a deep hole that a tough month like July doesn't make you sit there and consider whether, you know, you start selling everything off. I'll agree with that. And the yeah. one thing I will, the, the criticism I'll give Heim Bloom that I, I, I pretty much give any GM that doesn't do this is I, I haven't particularly liked the lack of attention to pitching. Um, you know, it doesn't. It, everyone seems. I, I I say shit constantly about the Yankees uh, because they're you know they were all hyped up on Joey Gallo. Like we didn't know what Joey Gallo was. Like the guy was batting like two twenty in Texas, and you guys were talking about him like he's Jesus Christ when he was coming to the Yankees, and he go went and bad one ninety eight, and now he's this. Now he that's what he was. That's who Joey Gallo is. Um, but you no know, one seems to pay attention to pitching sometimes, and it frustrated me. Uh, I understand what he tried to do here. I would have just liked to you'd spend some Red Sox money on some bigger names in pitching. I, I love Gossman. That would have been a nice sign for us. Uh, but other than that, I, I'm, I'm not that down on what Heimblum has tried to do this year. It just didn't work out, at least not yet. And it's really only not worked out for the month of May and, and July. June was good. April was mediocre. Yeah, I, I think the way I describe it, it's like a boat. You had some holes in the boat and, you know, you were doing fine. You found patchwork. You know, it wasn't anything bad. When the injuries came, you bottomed out. The the bottom of the boat fell out. And that's where you get screwed when you kind of skip over certain spots where you have a first base where you get absolutely nothing out of it, a right fielder where you get absolutely nothing out of it. And then your whole pitching staff collapse. It's like, all right, what are you supposed to do? No team's going to survive with Josh Winkowski, Cutter Crawford, and Brian Bayo. You know, three-fifths of your starting rotation. That's just reality. So, yeah, injuries are what really started to sink this team. I just think there's fair criticism for Haim this year uh, in a lot of certain spots. But yeah, I, I don't I think you can buy and sell and you'll still be in this conversation over the next two months. Um, but I I think just sitting and doing nothing, that would bother me a little bit. If you just stand pat and you say whatever and you're just going to let all these pieces go, I start to get concerned because you're going to have a lot of question marks at the end of this year. I think you need some pieces you can depend on and look at as, you know, controllable assets that will be part of the next team. Your Joe Kelly's, your Heath Hembury's, you know, that you got in 2014 during that time. Yep. <clears throat> we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, we all know the power of an MVP. They make good teams great. And the folks at Gosling's Rum know a little something about MVPs. All the most valuable fans and super fans across the world who have made the Gosling's Dark and Stormy one of the most popular cocktails on the planet. That delicious combo of smooth Gosling's Black Seal Rum and spicy Gosling's 
Stormy ginger beer cannot be beat for a summertime cocktail. Visit goslingsrum.com to get Gosling's products delivered right to your doorstep and get $15 off your order of Gosling's rum, ginger beer, or dark and stormy cans using promo code DRAFTKINGS21 and over only. Please drink responsibly. Um, All right. Do we want to uh, look ahead and get the fuck out of here i'm ready i'm ready yeah i bet you are i'm ready for some coffee though before we do that um yeah i don't know this concept for uh have you guys heard of trade coffee before no oh are you a coffee guy fuck no i'm a dog (laughs) i don't need it what Pat, are you a coffee guy? <laughs> Huge coffee guy. You you love coffee, dude. Oh yeah. I <laughs> it's a great way to start my day. Okay. Well, the thing about trade coffee is that you take a little quiz, right? Do you make your own coffee? Me? Yeah. Yeah. You do? Mm-hmm. How often have you switched up the coffee that you drink? Uh, I'd say a fair amount. Okay. Oh, so this sounds like it'd be perfect for you. Perfect. I love that. Because here's the thing about trade coffee. Listen up, Pat, because this is, this is exactly what the fuck you need to be doing. Um, trade coffee connects customers, you, to the freshest and best tasting coffee that they've ever made at home, which you, again, something that you do, by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. And these are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters, often being the largest source of new growth for them. So it's expert tasted coffee. So it's not like, hey, you you take this little quiz. Oh, I think Pat should try this coffee. It's like, well, they have coffee experts that are doing these taste tests, which is great. And Trade's first match guarantee, Trade is so confident that they'll match you with the, with the right coffee the first time that if they don't, they'll take your feedback and an actual coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free. That's pretty ballsy. You'd be like, hey, hey, Pat, listen, why don't you take this quiz? We're going to tell you what kind of coffee you want. We're going to send it to you. And if you think it's dog shit, I'm going to call you myself. And we're going to find, because I'm a coffee expert, I'm going to find you a coffee that you're going to love. And if you don't, I mean, you just get it for free. That's crazy. What kind of coffee are you drinking, Pat? I mean, I'm across the board. I, you know, the one I have right now is chock full of nuts. Chock full of motherfucking nuts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a selection. Well, Trade Coffee sends you freshly roasted beans from 60 of the country's best craft roasters, small businesses who pay farmers fair prices to sustainably source the greatest uh, beans from all around the world. Whether your friends call you a coffee snob, which it sounds like you might be, Pat. Sounds like you might be a little coffee snob. Or... You just know when coffee tastes really perfect. Trade's real coffee experts personally taste test 
over 450 roasts. They know exactly what to recommend you. Because the truth is, what I like and what you like can be totally different. That's fair. That's fair in anything, not just coffee. You will like a selection uh, of specific coffees that are different from anyone else's taste. Just answer a couple questions. You'll get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you'd like. No gimmicks. Trade delivers a bag of freshly roasted coffee as whole beans or ground for however you brew it at home, and they guarantee that you'll love your first order or they will replace it for free. And you may be thinking to yourself, how many people have tried this? Sounds too good to be true. This whole concept, this whole company, it sounds too good to be true, right? Well, Trade has delivered over 5 million bags of fresh coffee with more than 750,000 positive reviews. 750,000 positive reviews. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash Jared, J-A-R-E-D. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by... Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash Jared and let trade find you a coffee that you'll love. That is drinktrade.com slash Jared for $30 off. Um, Okay, let's stop and chop a look ahead. The Brew Crew comes to town. I got a press pass for all three of these games. I'm going to go see my friend Christian uh, Yelich. You're going to say hello to Hunter? Uh, He never talked to me when he was here. (laughs) Really? Yeah, we did not have a relationship. I don't know what his deal was. I think he was just kind of like one of those like country boys that they keep to themselves. I don't I don't think he I mean, he wasn't on Twitter. I don't think he was like a barstool guy. So like there was no unless like one of the players were like to introduce all the players that I've talked to. Still love him like. The the 2021 guys that are on this team right now, they still keep in touch with Hunter Renfro in, in Milwaukee. They loved him. Um, I personally did. Ne- I never met him. Never had a conversation with him. Uh, I was a fan. Loved watching him hit homers, but did not get to, to get to know the guy. Um, we're going to get Brian Bayo versus Brandon Woodruff. We're going to get Nick Pavetta versus Eric Lauer. Lauer. Josh Winkowski. Versus Aaron Ashby. And that is a 135 game on Sunday. Brandon Woodruff. He's fucking nasty. Uh, Not as nasty as he was last year. But he has the highest ERA of his career outside of his rookie season. But his FIP is still a 287. So let's show some respect to Mr. Woodruff. Who, by the way, was probably very uh, disappointed that they got rid of the pitcher's hitting. Because he could also mash. Um, Woodruff missed about a month in June. Some, uh, what do you have? A fucking circulation issue? That was part of it as he was rehabbing, right? Yeah. He's made five starts since coming back. 2-0, a 238 ERA, a 158 FIP, and he has not allowed a home run. <clears throat> Woodruff nasty. He uh, He's sitting 96.1 miles an hour with his four-seamer, 95.6 with his sinker. Those are his two most used pitches. He loves his change up to lefties, throwing it three times more uh, than he does to righties. Uh, 204 batting average against a 56.4 whiff rate on the change up, I'm assuming to lefties. 
Uh, if you're going to do any sort of damage, you're going to have to uh, hunt the curveball. Hangs it sometimes. Only throws it 10% of the time, but he allows a 706 slug against it. The Brewers are 9-5 and five when he starts, but just 1-2 and two in his last three starts. Only Verdugo, Story, and Kike have faced him. They're 3-12 for 12 with a walk and three strikeouts. Kike actually has a home run, but he's not going to be playing. He's not going to be playing tomorrow. Uh, Lauer, complete opposite of Woodruff. ERA looks solid, but his uh, FIP is a full run higher at 4.73 to a 3.84 ERA. He's already allowed 20 homers and 100 innings. Not great. Um, he's allowed a home run in four straight starts and seven of his last eight starts. Um, four out of five of his pitches have a higher expected batting than his actual batting average against. So he's been a little lucky there. Milwaukee, eight and seven when he starts, and one and two in his last three. Red Sox hitter is 278, uh, 328 on base, and 939 OPS for a 611 slug. Um, three doubles, five homers. Trevor Story, eight for 20. He's not going to be in the lineup. He's not going to be in the lineup. He's got three homers against him, but uh, I don't think he's, he's going to make it. Aaron Ashby, four and eight, but. 438, all right, 143 uh, whip and a 10.9 strikeouts per nine. Pretty good. Not bad. He's a pedestrian to, I mean, the whip is not great, but the strikeouts per nine, pretty good. Um, so he has a 3.83 FIP, Tyler. So he's been a little bit better. He fucking loves walking people. That's his problem. That's his problem. He's issued... At least three walks, six, to- uh, six times in just 19 starts. Um, strike fresh, off nine. A, fresh off an extension as well. Brewers just gave him a five-year deal. Yeah. Strikeouts per nine looks good, but uh, it's, it's ballooned by his time in the bullpen where uh, he threw. Uh, he had 15 innings and it was 12.9. So those are from his bullpen days. But now he's starting. Um, gets no run support. In his 13 starts, they've only scored more than four runs for him three times. They've scored two runs or less in five of his starts. Uh, 96-mile-an-hour sinker. Some you don't see often from lefties. Uh, but, it, you know, eh. 264 batting average against on, on that pitch. Slider's nasty. Slider's nasty. 41% whiff rate, 233 batting average against. He's only allowed five extra base hits and 103 at-bats uh, on the slider. The Brewers are 8-11 and 11 when he pitches, and they've lost his last three starts in their, get this, one and fucking seven in his last eight starts. So there you go. Again, that is Brian Bayo versus Brandon Woodruff in the opener. Nick Pavetta versus Eric Lauer. Uh, 4.10 p.m. Saturday start. And then Josh Winkowski versus Aaron Ashby will close this one out. Um, Okay, prediction time. Jake, what do you got? I gotta be honest. I I think Pat's got me fired up right now. <laughs> I I'm I'm thinking sweep, and if you listen to this pod, you know I don't throw out sweeps lightly. I don't That's just true. dish them out willy nilly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking sweep, and then I think we buy. That's Ooh. that's my take. Fuck yeah, Jake. Damn. Fuck yeah, Jake. Um, Patrick, after after Jake's 
uh, enthusiastic, sweet pick. Does that motivate you to to join them? Or listen, I'm a very enthusiastic person. I, I just went on a few rants about this club. Uh, I'm also a very realistic person, though. Uh, you know, I was I, I was I was on the fence between two out of three and one out of three with the Red Sox the way they've been playing lately. Uh, I started leaning towards two out of three, but guess what? Jake's got me pumped up. I'm going sweep and we buy. Let's go, Jake. Wow. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Pat has a fucking sweep. Okay. Fucking Bellows coming out party. Let's go to work. Tyler. I'm going to go two out of three. Uh, I'm not as bold as Pat and Jake. I do think Brian Bayo is going to have his best star yet in the bigs. I'm not telling you he's going to dominate, but I do think we see the best version of him so far. Obviously, they burnt Garrett Whitlock today, finishing off, you know, so that's a element out of your bullpen, at least for the next couple days. But I think the Red Sox are going to ride some of this momentum. There's fight. They are trying to keep everything together. I do think they're ultimately going to buy and sell. Um, but I don't think they're going to be a team that you look at and say they can't compete still. It's just going to look a little different. It's going to have probably a piece or two that you didn't expect. But I'll take two out of three. I think I think two out of three is about as as far as I'm willing to go, and that that at even even coming off the win still feels a little ov- overzealous to me. I don't want to be negative, but like if they go out tomorrow and like get their dicks kicked in, it's gonna like you know you hit reality pretty quickly. They need to ride this. They, like if there is any momentum, this is your last chance to ride some momentum for like this a stretch here. You're coming up against the Brewers. The Astros are going to be hell. Like, you got to ride some momentum here. This is a good team to do yeah. against. I mean, they're literally a first place team. Yeah, but if you look and, at and it, you five, gotta, they're, they're five and a half games up on a Red Sox team that might have had the worst month of baseball we've seen in a long time. You know, it, this is a team that can compete. They're ha- they don't have a great run, run differential. Just looked it up. I'm doing great. Listen, this is the perfect team. Jake, uh, listen, I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on the squad. We're going to smoke them. <laughs> All right. Um, they're going to smoke them. They're going to smoke the Brewers. And uh, I guess I'll see you at Fenway. I'll be there. Jake, you coming to any of these games? I could pop in for a game or two. Yeah, yeah why not? Tyler? I won't be at this series, but I'll be making an appearance in early August during the Braves series. Okay. Um, Pat, I'm, where is Jersey City uh, comparison to I'm in, Hoboken? I'm in, oh, where, where is Jersey City or where I am currently? Jer- where, how close is Jersey City to Hoboken? Jersey City to Hoboken is under a minute away from each other. They're right next to each other. All right. Are you going to are you going to be home next week? No, I am here until like August 6th. <laughs> Actually, I think that's when I'm going to be in Jersey City. Okay, well then I'll I'll be I'll be in Hoboken at the time. All right, let's hang out. Can't wait. All right. Uh all right, we'll be back at the end of the Brewers series Sunday night for your Monday morning listening and viewing pleasure. We're back on the YouTube channel. I know enough people we're looking for the for the YouTube videos to go back up. We're back. Uh, so after the Brewer series, 
we'll see you on Monday morning. And uh, hopefully, hopefully things are still intact by then. I don't, I don't want one of those like early, like the Red Sox win on Friday and everything's riding high. And then like Saturday, they win again. And then after the game, it's like, by the way, we traded JD Martinez. And it's like, oh, <laughs> I, I don't want one of those like early deals where it just takes the wind out of your sails for maybe like a good, a good weekend against a good team. And one of those, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But by the way, I just want to say this. If the Red Sox, if the Red Sox sell and they just suck it up for the rest of the season, I could see the Red Sox organization doing some shit like retiring Roger Clemens number. Like just seeing they they did the Joe Castiglione ceremony. Like the Red Sox, it people forget in 2012 when they were in last place. They brought back the 2004 Boston Red Sox for an eight-year reunion anniversary. An eight-year anniversary. They brought back the 2004 Red Sox because they were in last place. If the Red Sox sell and they're dog shit for the rest of the season, they're going to do some shit like retiring Roger Clemens' number to be like, hey, listen, yeah, we suck, but come on out and celebrate the Rockets. Like, I want the 10-year anniversary of the 2012 team. Bring me Bobby <laughs> Valentine. Bring me Cody Ross. I want all the smoke. Bring, yeah. I want all of it, please. That If everything goes wrong and everything falls apart and they sell everything, mm-hmm. that's my reality. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, we'll see you Monday. Buenas noches, amigos.